0: Hello, I'm John Kennedy, and joining me for this episode of Tape Notes are Benny Sings and producer Kenny Beats to talk about how they wrote, recorded and produced the album Young Hearts. Tim van Berkstein, better known as Benny Sings, is a singer, songwriter and producer from the Netherlands. Having played in bands and produced beats throughout his school years, initially releasing tracks under the name Benny V. Creamtits, in 1999, Tim adopted the stage name Benny Sings when he joined the hip-hop group Abstract Dialect on Bass. After several years with the band and having also taken on other production and songwriting work, Benny began to focus on his solo career, releasing his debut album Champagne People in 2003 on the label Sonar Collective. Recorded entirely at home, the album set the foundations for what would become Benny's signature blend of colourful pop, soul and jazz with his distinctive vocals at its centre. Since then, he has released eight further solo albums, notably including 2019's City Pop, listed as one of the best albums of 2019 by NPR, and 2021's *Music* which featured collaborations with Mac DeMarco and Tom Misch. Alongside his solo career, Benny has continued his work as a songwriter and producer behind the scenes. Having a strong working partnership with singer-songwriter Rex Orange County, Benny co-wrote and performed on Rex's platinum-selling single Loving Is Easy in 2017 and co-produced 2022's Who Cares that reached number one on the UK album charts. With a reputation as one of the most prolific artists in music today, Benny's latest album Young Hearts has all the charm and playfulness expected from a Benny Sings record, meticulously crafted with the help of producer. Kenny Beats. Kenny Beats is a record producer, rapper and songwriter from Connecticut. Growing up in a household full with music, Kenny learned drums and guitar from the age of nine and began to make beats of his own while at high school, often inviting local rappers to come and record in his makeshift cupboard-cum-vocal booth. While going on to study jazz guitar and business at Berkeley College of Music, Kenny took on internships at the labels RCA Records, J Records and Cinematic Music Group and began placing beats with rappers including Schoolboy Q and Smoke Dizzer. Changing direction to focus on more lucrative EDM, after a three-year stint of touring and DJing as part of the electronic duo Loudpack, Kenny returned to rap and in 2017 moved to LA working from the studio that would become home to his YouTube producer series, The Cave. Setting out to work as collaboratively as possible, Kenny's skills and versatility as a producer were quickly recognized. And in 2018, one year after moving, he'd produced albums from numerous up-and-coming and and high-profile rappers, including Key, Freddie Gibbs, JPEG Mafia, and Vince Staples. As well as releasing his own solo album, Louie, in 2022 on XL Recordings, Kenny has become one of the most in-demand producers today. His work can be heard across some of the biggest albums of the past few years from artists including Denzel Curry, Slow Tie, Ed Sheeran and Idols, which earned him a Grammy nomination for his work on their album, Crawler. Today, I'm at home in Morden, South London, and Benny and Kenny join me from their respective studios in Amsterdam and L.A. And what better way to start our conversation than by hearing something from the record. This is The World. You get
1: right on honey, girl. Nobody wait to see you. From me. Come and
2: see
0: the world. It is The World by Benny Sings from the album Young Hearts. And I'm very pleased to say that connected to me online is Benny Sings. Hello, Benny. Hey. Where are you? Uh, I'm in Amsterdam in my uh, studio. Excellent. And also connected to us online is Kenny Beats. Hello, Kenny. Hey, how's it going, John? Thanks for having us. It's a real pleasure. And where are you, Kenny? I'm
3: also in my studio in Los Angeles.
0: Fantastic. It's so good to have you both together. Benny Sings meets Kenny Beats. I mean, it seems to me that that has to be. The names just chime so nicely that this partnership had to happen at some point.
3: (laughs) Honestly... I named myself Kenny Beats at 15 years old. I never knew I would meet my tether whenever I was in my 30s, but Benny Sings was out there waiting for me somewhere. <laughs> so what, what, what year was that? I was 15 years old or 16 years old when I, I became Kenny Beats. It was myspace.com slash Kenny Beats, and then I made decals and stickers
0: for my friends, and here I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How old were you, Benny, when you became Benny Sings? Um, that was in, um, maybe
4: 1999 or something, I guess, 2000, maybe.
0: Right. He beat me by a few years. Yeah. (laughs) So talking of the relationship and the partnership, you came together to make this record. How and when did that happen?
4: Uh, so that happened, um, I guess two years ago, maybe now, one and a half years that I got a message from Kenny on Instagram, like, uh, let's work. And uh, then we had the, the funniest Zoom call ever where I never met the guy. I, I didn't even know the fame and the, all the things, you know. And he told me like, yeah, I can give you that extra slap, you know. I can make your music bigger than it is now. And uh, I didn't
0: know what to think of it at the time, but it turned out that he was right. So, Kenny, you reached out to Benny, presumably because you were a fan of his, of his music.
3: Yeah, I've been a fan of Benny's for years, actually. Um, it wasn't until he collaborated with my friend, Mac DeMarco, that it felt like it was somewhere in my sphere and I could reach him. It always kind of is this weird thing when you're someone who does music or you're a producer or a songwriter where you listen to all types of music and you're a fan of so many different types of artists, but there's certain artists that feel like you can reach out or it's possible to reach out, and then there's certain artists you just kind of take their music as a fan would and you never feel the need to hit them up or say anything. And I think Benny was someone who I was like, oh, this guy is amazing, but he just is self-sufficient, does his own thing. He's on his own little island in the middle of Holland. Like he's created his own scene around himself, I thought. So I never thought to hit up Benny, even though I'd been listening to him for so many years. And then when him and Mac worked, I just kept asking Mac a hundred questions about him. Like, what's he like? does his real voice sound like a singing voice? Like, <laughs> is he actually this character like in the music or is he just a normal guy? Da, da, da. And turns out I got all my questions answered and more, but I, I hit Benny up and was like, whatever I can do, however I can help. I have no agenda. I have no idea. I just want to make music. And I made a song with Benny and Corey Henry on Benny's beat tape Two, And that was our first collaboration. And then, Benny was featured on my album, Louie, which was my debut album on XL Records. And Benny's secretly on a few of the songs not listed. And then this is now our first fully named, fully branded, fully realized collaboration rather than these couple little things that we've made along the way. And I honestly can feel today, like when we're talking to you about this, that we've actually got something that is equal parts both of us. And this is a Benny Sings record. Don't get it confused. It's not a Kenny and Benny album. It is Benny's new album. But I do feel like our friendship shows up in the music in a big way. And both sides of us are very evident.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So how did you go about collaborating then? I mean, we're all connected online, you know, in different parts of the world. You live in different parts of the world. But did you feel that you needed to be in the same place to create together? Yeah, I felt that.
4: The first things we did for the B Type 2, we did online, but when we decided we were going to make an album, I really, really wanted to go to LA and experience the Kenny Beats thing, you know, so that was important for me.
3: I feel like it's paramount to be in person. I just think even if you're asking the same questions or having the same conversations virtually, certain small things with body language and just small moments where someone might fiddle around with something and they don't think anything of it, and you as a fan might see like, oh, that's very worthwhile. I think those things are ancillary details that might not seem important if you're getting the song done on the computer, but the difference in the song you make in person is a very real thing.
0: Yeah, and it seems also that the kind of music you make, Benny, California is the home of it in a way. You know, that whole sound, it just has so much sunshine in it. And if you want to tie it in with labels, but the idea of yacht rock, as it were, you know, being very Californian, it seems that you had to make a, a pilgrimage if you hadn't been to California to record before.
4: Yeah, which is such a weird thing. I like hate the beach and palm trees and stuff. You know, in <laughs> the sun, I don't like the sun that much. But, um, I like that music a
0: lot, so yeah, I had to go there. Yeah, excellent. But you could get the studio tan with Kenny at Kenny's place. (laughs) You can see I'm
3: sporting the studio tan right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a very good look. Um, I think we'll get into the music. So the first song we're going to look at is Young Hearts. If we could have a a blast of the master of Young Hearts, that would be brilliant, and then we can go back and unravel how you created it. Yes. One, two, three, Go.
3: Let's go Remy.
0: So well, that is Young Hearts by Benny Sings with a little bit of extra Remy Wolf for good measure. And that slaps. I think that was the promise that you made, Kenny, to Benny. You said, Look, I can make your music slap. And that really does. Although I'm not quite sure of the definition of the term. I and mean, what would you say is the definition of slap as you see it?
3: I think slap is a relative term because slap means different things in different subgenres and different time periods. And when someone comes to you and they reference something maybe from a yacht rock era or maybe from like an 80s pop era or maybe from the times when everyone was using lin drums and everyone was using certain programming and certain drum sounds or certain gated reverbs on live drums slap for the 80s and slap for yacht rock is one thing slap for sampled hip hop and boom bap and when it comes to drum breaks versus slap in like trap drums and programmed hi-fi samples and 808s created with oscillators they're all different and they all slap in their own way and with Benny I think something that we found together in the production of this album because don't be mistaken this is a co-produced record and I loved Benny's production as much as I loved his songwriting and when we got together you can call it butting heads you can call it discussion you can call it whatever you want to call it but something that we found early on is I would take certain drum samples, whether they were live or breaks from classic records, from sample packs, whatever. And I would process them the way I would process something in a hip-hop record or in an indie record that had big drums. Or I wasn't doing anything different with Benny Sings than I would do for Slow Tie. You know what I mean? And I think Mm. when Benny first heard some of these live drum loops Slapping, like when he first heard them with a lot of gain on them, run through different pieces of gear, different plugins and compression he wasn't used to. Initially, we had songs, I think Young Hearts might have been in this batch, where Benny heard my first take on the drums and was like, let's pull it back a little bit. Like, let's not maybe go so hard with the compression or maybe let's not use drum sounds that are so rough and in your face and let's do something that's a little more dry, a little softer, a little just something that just gives the punch but doesn't necessarily like feel so forceful underneath all the keys or the pianos or the vocals. And we often went back. And the really rough version that Benny initially was adverse to, he would come back and say, you know what? I like those drums like that. That's what makes it a different thing. And on a song called The World, I had really distorted this drum break through an old piece of tech gear. I basically ran this drum break through my interface out to an old Alltech mixer, distorted it really, really, really heavily, and then ran it back into my computer. And Benny was like, oh, it's too much. What about 50% of that? And we ended up using the too much version on the record. But when you hear it in context, they don't sound like these big boom drums that are out of nowhere next to Benny. They feel like a break or a pattern or a bounce or a swing that you know from a Benny record or from records of the era that were were influenced by, but they do stand up if you put on a rap record from right now or you put on an indie record right now or what certain amazing producers are doing to make their drums be the most through the roof thing. Our stuff, if you hear Benny sings in the playlist right after it, it still feels strong in the speaker. And to me, that's my current definition of slap is when I have a playlist of 10 songs that all sound completely different, Do they all feel present wherever I'm listening to them, on an iPhone, here, wherever? So I don't think Benny's drums needed to be hard and crazy, but they needed to be present and they needed to match up with things he might be playlisted next to. That's how I think of it.
0: Yeah, that completely makes sense. And I guess it was a process of adjustment then for you, Benny, you know, getting used to this approach to things and how it sounded. But how do you go about writing these songs? So when you got out to California to hook up with Kenny, did you have a whole batch of material that was ready to go? Had you already recorded things that you were bringing out for the Kenny experience? Or or were you there working it all out at that time? So
4: we had different sessions. Um, So the one session that was in LA at Kenny's studio was um, we just wrote completely new stuff. And I think it was after that, that I wrote stuff in Amsterdam and sent it to genny and he pumped it up, let's say. So, yeah, there was different stuff going on.
0: Yeah. And with Young Hearts, was that written in L.A.? What's the no. genesis of Young so, Hearts?
4: So this was written probably after that L.A. session here in Amsterdam. And I was just writing more stuff because we needed more with my uh, fellow songwriter, Adam bar Pereg and um yeah we just started with a beat which i can show you just a normal break basically and i i don't like reverb that much so i cut off the reverb so just a a very dry studio drums and um we were like looking for a song with um like weird chords basically and uh i'll show you one of the first versions we had which is totally nothing like this So anyway, something completely different than what it turned yeah. out to be. But we were looking for something with certain types of chords and we made different versions, which is just basically piano and, and drums and uh, bass. So uh, so that was it and we liked that. And uh, every chord is like in a different key. So there were actually like maybe three notes that fitted the Whole riff, let's say. So the whole melody is just basically two notes, I think.
1: Young hearts, young, heart, young hearts, are back again. Da, 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 da.
4: Those two notes are very clearly there in the oh whole no melody. To the top, top. Yeah, yeah it, it right. A lot of that. Yeah, so it's all like basically two notes. And that's how we came to this thing. So I'm singing with my high voice here. <laughs> Not thinking yet if that would be like a female vocal or anything. So, and this was the like the demo version which we sent to Kenny.
0: Yeah, but it had already gone through that process where it was kind of pretty much a, a completely different song. But the words were the same, were they? No,
4: no not even. Maybe only Young Hearts no. was there. So, coincidentally, it turned up again in the in the final song.
0: Yeah, and so then he sent that to you, Kenny, and then you started doing your stuff on it, and then you send it back. So there was a kind of exchange going on.
3: We worked on it separately after our writing trip in LA. Benny wrote it in Holland, sent it back to me. We worked on it together in London after I had worked on it in LA, and then finally came back around and got Remy to do the vocals on it in the finishing stages once we already had an instrumental that we loved and the song was fully fleshed out. And yeah, this was kind of like of anything on the project, and it is the title track, but this is the one song that made the most rounds as far as how many times it got touched, how many times it got worked on, how many times things got rearranged and rediscussed. And I think it's like very indicative of the whole project as far as the songwriting and the feel of it and obviously that mix of me and Benny's sonics. But when I got this one, it almost felt like, A lot of the writing we had done had focused Benny because when I first heard Young Hearts and I first heard, I think it was The World also, I was like, oh, now we're off. He has the thing. He knows what separates this project from his last. He knows what character he's fully fleshing out because Young Hearts, just even in the first few lines, and we laugh at the things people say, da-da-da. Like, I always tease Benny about how he's this character who is so... I mean, as Benny sings the artist, not as Tim, the person, Benny is this character of this super pessimistic guy who's kind of just like barely rolling out of bed, but also like doesn't give a fuck, (laughs) like doesn't really give a shit about what people think about him and this and that. He's just kind of like this guy who's a little too wise for his own life and everything. He just thinks about it a little too hard, but at the same time, he's just like, fuck it at the end of the day. And Young Hearts really felt like that character in the songwriting of it. And whenever he told me like, okay, this high vocal here, we need someone else. There was just such a synchronicity between Benny and Remy. They are such different people, but the two of them, when they met, it was just like Remy came in like a ball of energy, like she always does. And Benny had been meeting so many songwriters and so many musicians for the week that it seems like the only one he really could remember after the end of the week was Remy because she left such an impression on him so I don't know if he wrote this with her in mind, but whenever he had said to me, we need a female vocal in this one part, Remy was the obvious choice. And I think she really filled out the space in the record against Benny in a beautiful way because she is so powerful and so soulful. And Benny, a lot of times, is very like precise and very delicate in his songwriting and his singing. So the combination of the two of them on two parts of the album are some of my favorite back and forth of anything we worked on. But basically, once I got the initial stuff from Benny, just some of the first things I did on a lot of stuff he gave me was process the drum beat in a very varied different ways. There's times I ran it through hardware. There was times where I ran things through old tape echoes and spring reverbs without using any of the echo or the reverb just to hit old electronics and give some of these like kind of dry drum breaks a little more saturation or just body or anything, so I took this initial break in this song. I think all I used on it was some Wolf compressor, which is a favorite for any kind of old hip-hop, old drum machine-ish type of compression. It's modeled after the SP-404, which Mad Lib is obviously very famous for using. MF Doom is famous for using, but the type of compression it gives does a certain thing to live drums that makes it feel like it's pumping. We use stock Ableton drum bus, which to me is the best stock Ableton plugin. I find it doing things where I'm in sessions at some of the nicest studios in the entire world with some of the best engineers and some of the best gear collections ever. And the boom knob on Drum Bust, which is this knob right here, still does a thing that I can't really find in most studios around the world. And I need to use a stock plugin to get this kind of feel on my drums. But what it does is you can add basically a false, sub to your kick and then you can pitch what frequency it's at so I could find the key of the song and find the frequency that works with that key and then figure out how much boom I want or how much sub I want to give the kick and then just adjust this decay right here and when you put the decay really short all you really get is that boom, boom just doesn't even feel like a note sometimes you don't always have to make sure that the frequency is exactly matching up with the key. That's next level mixing stuff. When I'm putting this on drums that Benny's sending me, whether he recorded them live or it's a break that we both decided on, I'm doing it so I can get a little more of that kick punch than the actual recording is giving me. So when we get into the louder parts of the songs, the part of the song that's much more full, you can really feel that bottom end and that kick. And that's what's missing in so much great yacht rock stuff or great stuff that I love that have great drum sounds and even have great drum mixes, but for some reason don't feel like they punch or like they slap enough next to things today. It's the same idea with live basses nowadays, having to compete with unbelievable subs and synths. And I guess you could say, even since like the model D live bass players now had to fight this new amount of sub that wasn't in their music. And What I've always done when I'm working with bands these days is take the DI of the bass, put it down an octave, cut all the high end out of it, and then you have an exact duplicate of your bass line that's way lower and creating all this sub and low frequency. And you can match them together so that now your bass player feels like he's playing a much bigger bass. And I think that's what the drums here needed for this song to have. A little more personality. So, the compression, the drum bus after the compression, which is a weird move because you would think you'd want to put the saturation first. And then I'm using a little bit of Soothe, which is to me one of the greatest plugins on earth right now. It's for resonance and kind of harsh frequency subtraction, but it's not necessarily just an EQ. Everything that this company, Oak Sound, makes is amazing, but I'm just trying to get a little bit of the harshness out of kind of the room mics that were used in this drum sound. So this does a really good job of that. That's really all that's on the break that Benny gave me. I pitched it down a semitone. So I took all the drums, I pitched them lower, made them a little beefier. On top of his drums, we added just a simple hat loop. I'll put it up a little more so you can hear it, obviously. But it just kind of gives all those little subdivisions in between a little bit more room to breathe. And then we added a stack of live claps. all a little bit imperfect, kind of just add to the whole feel. Now with the hat and with those live claps, we're starting to get a little bit more of a party situation. All the snares and all the claps and all the hats are kind of giving everything
0: a little bit more feel. And then the iconic fill just to start. Was that fill on the original session that, that Benny sent you, or is that a fill you've added?
3: No, this was an addition from me. So Benny's song started on the one right on that root note and then I just decided that we needed a little cheeky fill before everything came in (laughs) I don't know it just worked to me but that was a basic process on those drums that was pretty similar to a lot of the stuff that Benny would record himself and send me rather than what we started together where I would take the thing he gave me and keep the swing of it and keep the feel and keep the energy of everything he's giving me but try to just accentuate some things that he was doing that maybe he wasn't even trying to pull out There'll be other little perk loops that happen in certain other little places. Towards the end, when we go to our big breakdown at the end, there's a couple little impact moments. Old crash. Kind of like a weird little effects thing. Perk loop. It's not really anywhere else in the song, but really small stuff, you know? Nothing that's like drastically making the song this whole other thing or taking it to a new genre or flipping the tempo and key all over the place. It's just, when I hear a Benny song from him on a demo, I see this whole world and I'm just trying to help Benny like pick even more out of his initial idea and just say like, man, I can hear in that first drum thing and like it kind of felt like this 16th note shaker kind of thing, but it's really just like some of the ghost notes between the hat and the snare like maybe we can put these other things to make that all a feel and I was just trying to bring out the Benny you know I don't see this as like taking him to somewhere new I see it as like let's make super Benny ultra Benny music like let's really dig in to these grooves or these ideas that he had and I just did my best to kind of like lay things around that and accentuate to the best I could and that was kind of the drum ethos for a lot of the record
0: it's really interesting because it's such a subtle thing that you have to do, you know, that you could overdo it quite easily. But yeah. obviously, as a master of your craft, you know, you're able to complement and create the Ultra Benny that we're really enjoying on this new record. It's it's an interesting thing because the music that you create, Benny, is this, you know, it has a, a lovely gentleness to it that creates an instant good vibe when you listen to a Benny Sings record. You know, you're, you're kind of in a zone already regardless of what the subject matter might be or, or the different flavor that you bring with each song. I think that's one of the reasons why we're so attracted and I think what may be attracted Kenny too. You just kind of get into such a, a good place. You make people feel good. You know, and is that part of the objective? Is that what you're trying to achieve?
4: I guess I'm, I'm just trying to make the music that I love the most and I'm probably someone that needs feel-good music, I guess. Uh, because I probably don't feel good some of the time. So yeah, I'm looking for that sunshine, feel good stuff for
0: myself, basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and luckily, because you share it, we all get to feel that too. Yeah. Um. Is there anything else we should highlight in Young Hearts before we move on to the next song?
4: Well, I just want to add that this is exactly what our very first Zoom call was about and Kenny did just exactly that, that thing that I was looking for. Like, I just wanted to make my music bigger and he did that. And that's something that, I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years now, and it's hard to talk about music and to, you know, communicate. And that's what the big click was between us that he knows with me saying one sentence exactly what I mean or something, you know, and that's really uh, something special.
0: Yeah, that's kind of amazing to have that connection. And maybe that comes from your admiration and your love of Benny's music, Kenny, and the way that the fact that you reached out, that you had this in your mind, that you you thought you could bring something to what Benny does because you love it.
3: Yeah, I mean, for me, the golden rule for the type of production that I aspire to do is just to come in without an agenda. And if you are truly a fan of this artist, you became a fan without them knowing you, they didn't need your help to make songs that I love. Benny didn't need my help to make so much music that I was such a big fan of that if I am going to offer up my time or my ability or whatever it is, I want to make sure it's useful and helpful for Benny and not just like, Oh, I've got a bunch of followers. I've done Ed Sheeran songs. Like this makes sense commercially that you do records with a producer. Like to me, that what that's never the point. And like, I love, the music of all the artists that I reach out to in this way enough to respect them. If they say, Oh no, I've got it covered, but we should hang out. Or, Oh, I like that thing that you did, but I'm just producing this myself or whatever. If Benny had said to me, like, Oh, I'm happy to work on some stuff for your thing. But like I do Benny stuff myself, I would have never taken that any type of negative way. But whenever he invited me into his world, I want him to be excited. I want him to feel like either he's having fun or he's making his best work. And if it's any combination of that, I think I'm doing my job. And I feel like with Benny, like he is a very interesting guy. And when you meet him, maybe I'm just not used to people from Holland. Or maybe Benny is just on his own island. But he's got this like not super easy to please, not super complimentary off the bat kind of thing about him. He's a dad. You know, he's been doing music for a long time. Like, this is a guy who doesn't just say like, oh, that's hot. I love that. Oh, let's do this. Oh, that's a great idea. When you get him to say, wow, I really love that. Wow, that actually is a really good idea. Or like, wow, this could be really good. That's what I'm striving to do rather than him say, oh, you're a really good producer. Or like, oh, like even though Benny probably would rather be saying, oh, this is selling millions of records. I (laughs) I like the (laughs) fact that When Benny hears stuff that we're working on, he goes, oh, that's it. Or, oh my God, I love that, or whatever. And I just think that that's my job, is to make him psyched on his own stuff, you know? And I'm really psyched on this music, but I was a fan before. I would have been psyched on it, whatever it was, unfortunately. If it was Benny singing and there was like a Rhodes in there somewhere, I was going to be happy. But now that he feels a certain way about this project and what he's going to go on to do himself as a producer and an artist after this... And him being someone I can now call a close collaborator, this worked out like a dream for me. But one more thing before we get off Young Hearts, I wanted to just point out this solo at the end, which was an idea of Benny's. And then I kind of just went wild processing it and uh, messing with it. But I really do love this one moment.
0: So what is
4: that? Well, it's, I, I can't play the guitar that well. So what I'm doing is I'm singing a guitar solo. <laughs> and then after that, like second for second, playing that with the guitar. So you hear the voice and the guitar at the same time. And then uh, Kenny process it.
3: Like right. right now, all that you can see on it right now is a little delay that's on the bottom channel. But this has been printed and I think ran a couple times through stuff and then reprinted. But... There was a moment we were listening back to the, the masters of the record. And I said to Benny, I was like, what is that? Because <laughs> I couldn't remember when we did it. There was, it was one day where we did a lot of work on the record where I had like, I had been out to like 5 AM the night before. And I, I wasn't hung over or anything. I just been out late. And when we worked the next day. We got a lot of work done. It was very productive. I was very focused, but it felt like the day didn't even happen or something. It's like three days later, I would hear things we did that day. And I was like, what the fuck? When did we do that? And this solo doesn't feel like it's on a song I worked on when I listened to it. And that's the biggest gift for me is I'm so in it with music all the time and breaking everything apart that when I can hear a song I worked on and there's something that completely surprises me, Maybe that means I'm not doing my job well enough, and I'm not not as focused as I should be, but every time I hear that solo, I'm like, God, that's so sick. And it's like a weird combination of Benny and a guitar with a lot of stuff on it.
0: Sounds great. I think maybe we should reprise it and round up Young Hearts, take a break, and then we'll move on to the next song. So hit it, Kenny. Cool. So that is Young Hearts. We're going to take a quick break. And the next song we're going to look at is Pyjamas. You may have heard us talk about Tape It before. And if you haven't, then let me fill you in as they are the sponsor of today's episode with a fantastic offer for you. Tape It is an iPhone recording app made by musicians for musicians. Many of our guests on Take Notes, music industry friends and listeners rely on voice notes to record their early ideas. People like the Lumineers, Ezra Collective and Fred again have all shared recordings with us made on voice notes. But what you wouldn't have heard are the long pauses where they're searching for those recordings. We wouldn't want to put you through that. As you can understand, organizing and finding the right notes, let alone a specific part, can be a nightmare. Tape It solves all of that voice memo chaos with intuitive labeling features, including automatic instrument detection, markers and collaborative mixtapes, meaning you can share band practices, organize set lists and brainstorm ideas with co-writers and band members. Plus, you can record straight from your lock screen and attach text and photo notes to each recording. Did you do it? Honestly, Tape It is fantastic. All of the Take Notes team members are complete converts, and excitingly, some of our guests have started to use it as well. So I really would recommend checking it out. Right, the next song we're going to listen to from Young Hearts by Benny Sings and Kenny Beats is Pajamas featuring Remy Wolf. And I think it's Kenny this time who's going to play it in. Just the, a blast of the master to get us all in the zone.
3: Boom, boom, boom. <laughs>
1: Take a walk on Cabana Beach Read a book or two about the birds in Cali We could see a movie about some Have you seen the new documentary? Candy
2: bars and wine
0: Taking us to the beach in our pajamas—that <laughs> is pajamas, featuring Remy Wolf—and it it's just such a feel-good song. We were talking about bringing sunshine and lifting people up, and that fills and ticks every single box. So, how did this begin? I mean, this is a bossa nova. It's a, a little trip to Brazil. Did this come out of Amsterdam? Did it come out of London? Did it come out of L.A.? Did it come out of the mind of of Benny sings?
4: Uh, it, It was LA. I think Oliver Vaughn was there. I know Oliver Vaughn very well from splice.com, which is like the place to go to for samples. And he is like the top one on there. So to meet him in person was really crazy. And he he was co-writing... And I think it was his idea maybe to do a Bossa Nova or something, right? The Brazilian no?
3: part, yeah, maybe. If you, if you look on the top of my session, you'll see it says Remy, Izzy, Oliver, Benny. And that's how I name my sessions is who I'm working on the stuff with. So
4: yeah, but at the
3: end of the day, I give people a bounce that says like all of our names. And it's just very hard for everyone else to remember. But I had invited a lot of different collaborators to come work with Benny just to see what would stick. I wasn't sure who he would work well with or if anyone at all. I wasn't sure if he was going to end up playing most of the instruments or he wanted help on them because Benny will lie to you and say he can't play piano as well as he can. He'll say, I don't really play bass, and then he'll send you back a bass line that's really good. So I wasn't sure how we were going to be able to fit all these people into this project or into these writing sessions, but this day was one of our most prolific days and one of the best days of the whole album making process. And Remy Wolf came by. Izzy Fontaine came by. He was an amazing guitar player and instrumentalist. Vaughn Oliver, who obviously, like Benny said, is known for his Oliver sample packs and all the stuff he's done, but also was the number one rap producer on Billboard twice last year. He did Freaky Girl for Nicki Minaj, and he also did Big Energy for Lotto and Mariah Carey. So Vaughn is someone who's always been like a mentor to me, but when I told him I was working on some stuff with Benny. He was ecstatic. He is a yacht rock aficionado. He knows everything about anything that happened in the 70s production-wise. And when he came by, he's like, I'm going to bring my friend Izzy. He's a great guitar player. I told him Remy was coming. And this song felt effortless. Not for me, for everybody else. I had to record guitars, percussion, vocals, the room mic, an acoustic. Another. It was hell for me. I was losing my mind. And you can <laughs> see that by this was, this is the initial session that we're opening, like the writing session all over the place. But with Benny and with everybody else, it felt like it took two seconds. And it also was a song where we were all dying laughing for a lot of making it because Benny said something about making uh, what was it a pickle sandwich or a salmon sandwich? Salmon sandwich
4: a, with some pickles. Salmon yeah.
3: sandwich with some pickles. That's what it was. We were trying to figure out a lyric. And Benny's like, make a salmon sandwich with some pickles. And I don't know why, but it just sent me into a fit for hours. I just could, It's something about just the phonetics of it or something. It was so funny. But this was truly effortless. And the guitar part, Izzy just started playing. We got the drum loop in there really quick. All of us did percussion together as a group. So all four of us stood around and played shakers and did claps and stuff. But let me dive into a couple of the pieces here.
0: So Izzy started just playing a a guitar part and then everybody responded to that. So that kind of started the song. Is that what happened? I
3: think if I'm not mistaken, and from looking at it right here, I think the actual first, first thing we used, this right here, this is the drum machine actually. Right. And this is a couple models before CR-78, which is like the Phil Collins classic Roland drum machine that everybody knows the sound of. But the first thing you hear is this. Just very low in the mix, but that's actually off of this old drum machine. What's it called? This is a Rhythm King. It's a TR-55 Rhythm King. And then I think that had just been looping And to that is Izzy played this and that was basically all we needed so from there yeah. i think benny played piano on this if i remember correctly it's just some bongo stuff we did some claps all live that's probably some combination of a couple of us oh here's more claps We did some flexitone. That's Vaughn. That's Vaughn on the flexitone for sure. An old Dr. Dre favorite percussion instrument. This is some live perk that we recorded. So that's maybe one loop of it that was good. Probably a lot of it was very sloppy. But this is some combination of me, Benny, Izzy, Vaughn, Remy all sitting there playing different percussion stuff around the room. What's this right here? This might be bass. definitely Izzy on the bass for sure I would never have played it that well but that's mostly what's going on in that intro I'll mute Benji's vocal for now
4: but I think the beat makes it you know like like without the drums it would be just a bossa nova song but the way that beat works with everything else is just insane to me
3: it's weird this little gallop it does so much in a weird way if you listen to the two of them together. Without that gallop, it ruins it for me. If you took this out and you just get the disco kind of clad it doesn't work the same. Something about that little bit of little bit of gallop. But yeah, the drums immediately made me feel like with the Brazilian stuff and then hearing Benny's voice, it made me feel like some of my favorite Beck stuff, weirdly enough. Right was never a reference or something we talked about ever. I've been lucky enough to meet Beck a couple times and actually jam with him. And like he's someone who I never think about when I'm starting a record, but sometimes I get into a record and I'm like, oh man, this is giving a Beck vibe. But Guero by Beck was a huge album for me. My email address was guero531 at AOL.com when I was a little kid. And I literally like, I always for some reason thought that Beck did such a classy way of like showing his influences on Guero without being like, I'm making a Spanish song. Like I'm making And obviously he speaks, you know, Spanish on some of the songs and this and that. And there's like very atypical kind of like Mexican street sounds and this and that, and a lot of that music. But this to me, like Benny said, was so interesting because it was so weird. And like Benny on the bossa Nova thing with that kind of drum beat, I didn't really know what we were making, but it, Felt like Benny Sings to me in a major way.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of blown away by how improvised in effect it was. You know, that they just kind of hear that little rhythm king rhythm, a little bit of guitar responds to it, and then suddenly you're all in the zone adding and adding until you get pyjamas. You no, know, it just seems so productive and such a clearly inspirational moment that you're all in the right place at the right time. It seems so effortless. <laughs> the thing about that is that
4: I think making music is always kind of effortless, but you mostly end up with a bad song. So the, the way you do it is you, you make 20 bad songs and the one song just coincidentally turns out great. I think that's what the process
0: is. Right. So this was the one that turned out great that day. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of like, where does a Benny Singh's song come from normally? I mean, you're not always in the room with all these great people. You no, know, are you the kind of person, Benny, that you know is walking down the street and you're singing to yourself, or you know you're going through an experience that you need to channel into song? I mean, you mentioned that you want something that will lift you up and take you out of whatever mood you might be in. So, are the lyrics then pure escape, or are they different to that?
4: No, so I'm. I did like write in a lot of different ways in those twenty years. But what I found out is that when I think of ideas in advance before actually making the music, it always turns out to be a bit boring or, you know, too rational or something. So I always make music in exactly this way, I guess. Just putting on a beat, playing some instrument over it and start mumbling and just letting your subconscious form the music actually by making
0: choices, you know. Yeah, and then you get the salmon sandwich with the pickle Yeah, um, and <laughs> inspiration.
3: You yeah. can hear in, the, in some of the vocal takes, I'm sure, because this was, I usually keep this exact microphone that I'm recording on right now is always on a cable in my studio that can reach anywhere. So if someone wants to lay on their back or they want to stand up or they want to run around, they can just record always. And Benny and Remy were literally passing the microphone back super
1: fast and you can hear. We could see a movie about Sampano. All the noise. Have you seen a documentary? And then Rem.
2: Candy bars and wine in the summer. and you got me wrapped right around your finger. Ooh, I just can't wait to get you home.
3: Oh, she did a different note there, huh?
2: No, this can wait till tomorrow. My heart skipping beats like a bongo beach is so predictable. I'll take you to the Poconos. Hey, wait. And then
3: those vocals would go on to get stacked, and we ended up doing all these different things. And this vocal honestly sounds really nothing like the master. Benny went in and really perfected like his tone and his cadence on everything. And he left Remy some notes too, whenever Remy re-recorded her vocal. So a couple of small note changes and this and that, but this record for me definitely like is a new version of that Benny sings feeling. And that's what I'm really proud of is there's been a lot of songs where I think when you instantly think of what Benny means to you, a lot of different fans will say different things. And some people like passion fruit is the first thing that comes to mind. Like for me and my friends rolled up with Mac is like the iconic Benny feeling. But like, I think this, whatever this combination is of this like drum break, this unique group of people his voice on here and kind of this duet between a couple who were one's trying to go out all the time and one's trying to stay home. It really encapsulates Benny to me, but it's a new archetype that maybe he hasn't stepped into before, but in the future, I feel like Benny on bossa Nova chords is a thing we know works now. And we know like for some reason, there's a real symmetry there that just like feels really good. And I'm really proud to have found that, especially with this group of people because they don't talk about this, but the music industry every single day has a hundred collaborations that are supposed to be the best thing of all time. Some great producer with some great writer with some great musician. And right now, while we're recording this, or when someone's listening back to this, there's sessions going on with all these unbelievable people and no music comes out. <laughs> and no song ever actually comes out or is recorded. People being able to find camaraderie and find inspiration all in the same room together is a much harder thing to put in a bottle than you'd expect. And I think Benny coming all the way from Holland to these random sessions with people he don't know and us to end up like actually having fun and making what we were going for and all this stuff. Like I feel very positive when I open this session up. It makes me feel like these are how sessions I hope they go, you know, most times.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Kind of the the classic lightning in a bottle moment, you know, where it all came together at that that one afternoon. Should we just have a, another quick blast of the, the revocaled version just to kind of hear it, how it all ended up? Cool, yeah, let's do it.
2: Candy bars and wine.
3: Some great Benny Piano, too.
2: They say,
1: don't let it slip away. Mm. I want to be in pajamas. I like the way my pants. They say, don't let it slip
0: Benny Goes to Brazil. There's the title. You've got to realize a, a full bossa nova, Benny Sings album. And it would be a good excuse to go to Rio or Sao Paulo.
3: I got to be honest, Benny, that's not a bad idea. I got to be well, honest. It, it,
4: we recently <laughs> thought of that. And it's kind of crazy that I never thought of that because like, Michael Franks is like my biggest hero of mine. And he made like also like 20 albums. And his last five albums are bossa nova albums. So it could be an idea.
0: Yeah, that would be fantastic. Um, we're going to take a quick break and the next song we're going to look at is Distance. The next song we're going to look at from Young Hearts by Benny Sings is Distance and I think Kenny's going to play us a bit of the master before we dig into how it was created. I think it feels with the beginning of distance that we are really getting a, a little peep into benny's world you know imagining benny at the piano just singing away H- how did distance start benny
4: so this one started before i went to la so this was the one exception we did in la which was a pre-written song but this song was written when we were like touring the us and in the middle of the tour The whole band got COVID, so the whole tour got canceled and then we flew back. Then I got COVID when I was in Amsterdam again. And I had to be like in quarantine in my studio because my wife was pregnant and she was very afraid of me. And it was like the middle of the winter, super cold here in the studio. You can't heat it up great. So it was just a miserable time, basically. And I just thought to myself, like, wow, now I have, like, five days in the studio, which doesn't happen anymore in my life. So, and then I had this assignment, like, I gave myself the assignment to write behind the piano, like, an actual songwriter, which I never do. And I thought, like, wow, this is the first time I could, like, actually try that. So, written, like, 20 bad songs and one or two turned out great. So, this was one of those. Right. I actually have another demo from that period
3: that ended up not necessarily making the record, but it was a song Benny wrote in his sad
4: quarantine days, if you want to hear that.
0: Yeah, I would love
4: to. And this is an example of a bad song. <laughs> <laughs> Look
1: up and see the flower. Feel the magic in the air. Don't say I'm not your lover. Not going anywhere. It makes me want to cry. I love it. Look at your window.
0: so that's a bad song that you threw out can't believe it if i had heard that at the time john that would be on the
3: album trust me like I, I, he he's, he does these things that he thinks are not good and they're
0: so good it's boring <laughs> <laughs> so that was written at that point where you were isolating because of COVID, but it created a space where you were on your own and you thought, I'm going to use this time creatively and constructively and started to write a whole bunch of songs. So that was one you threw away. Distance came out of that period as well. Yeah.
4: Yep. And the actual song on the, on the album starts with the iPhone recording in that period in my studio.
3: Yeah, those demos, like we just heard, pulled at my heartstrings so much that whenever we tried to write the song the right way and produce it out and record it correctly, it lost some of the hopelessness. It lost some of the the hurt. And I kind of wanted the whole record to start, as in the entire album, yeah, with true. one of these snippets of Benny in these moments where he's by himself and he's like, This song sucks, but I'm going to record it on my iPhone just in case, you know? And then he sends it to me. And I'm like, Benny, you just wrote a classic, great song, like songs I will play for my parents that when you're a music producer, there's certain things you make and you're like, oh, my friends like them, the world likes them. And then there's the songs you play for your parents. And I don't know how it works for artists because I'm not an artist, I'm a producer. But the times I go to my dad, who is a real music aficionado, like when I say to my dad, like, dad, I have something to play you. It's because I know it can stand the test of time. It would have been good 20 years ago, it'll be good in 20 years. And Distance yeah. is one of those songs that I just will stand by forever. And when Benny sent me the the first worst version of it that he hated and whatever, I was like this needs to be part of the real thing. So the actual demo of Distance sounded like this when I got it from Benny. And you can hear him like wheeling his chair on the ground. He didn't take this out. Pressing start. <laughs> yeah. <Did you> say? <laughs> like there was something about that to me, John. I don't know. Like hearing his the wheels on the floor, hearing him like begrudgingly press the drum machine. Like you hear him like sigh. He like presses the drum machine. He's like, this sucks. <laughs> like, he goes over in <laughs> place, and you can hear. You can really feel Benny. And now that I know Benny, people who, who listen to Benny Sings don't necessarily know Tim at all. And that's not true of all artists. Now people monetize their privacy and you learn so much about who someone is all of the time that you might actually know your favorite artist pretty well. Benny and Tim are very different people. And I feel like you hear both of them in that few seconds. You hear the real person, you hear the songwriter struggling through a bad song and throwing things out, and you see all the crumpled paper next to the garbage can, and then we bring in this real version of it. You know what I mean? So on the actual song, if I go back to the session, I'll mute all these little demo things we just listened to. You'll see Mm. it starts with the same file name. It's exactly the same thing that Benny and I just played for you, but I just used it as this reference point for the whole song, and it still starts... I almost made it sound more shitty. And then, you know, he's wheels over. Tim hears his baby cry. There we go. We're back to reality. But there was something about those demos that like it's what inspired me to make the whole project. It's what inspired me to still be here today this many months later talking about it is when Benny sent me a clip of a bad song or a song he made when he felt like shit, whatever. I'm like, dude, this is why I make music. This is real deal songwriting. And you hear him say like, I sat down at a piano and wrote like a real songwriter. Benny doesn't understand that kids now are going on Reddit and just faking all the music that they already like and there's nothing original about it. Any way that this man sits down to make music feels like real songwriting to me. And I've worked on so much trendy stuff stuff that's part of fads, stuff that's current, the new hottest artist is always what I'm getting brought to me every single day and some of these Benny songs before we even added one instrument to them made me feel that thing in my heart that's why you keep going whenever you get a bad review, why you keep going whenever your career is cold, why you keep going when you're not making money in music yet, why you keep going when you're not sure if it's going to work out, like these songs invigorated me in a major way and like Even just talking about what drum sample I used or what plugin helped bring out Benny's vocal in the right way. It feels like such a small part of it to me when normally like a show like Tape Notes, a thing like this is like, that's everything to me is like, oh, why was this production choice made? Or why does this have these kind of sonics or what's so unique about this? And we can't hide behind any of that with Benny's music. And he changed me as a producer by not letting me rest on those laurels and just use all the stuff that's available to me all the time. Benny would say no reverb. Benny would say like, let's take all the horns out of the whole song until the last 30 seconds. When we would have people come in and do amazing horn arrangements and do all these things. And Benny goes, no. And it's, he has this different kind of patience and his filter is, some people might say impossible, but his filter is, very different than mine after the years of songwriting he's done. And like I feel that Distance is a song you can put up against the references that we listened to when we made this record, or people will be influenced by this record in many years from now. And I think that this song will hold up. If anything holds up on Young Hearts' Distance, I will stand by that forever, you know, I really will.
0: Excellent. Let's hear those parts then. Cool.
3: This is a CP-70 that Benny recorded in my living room. It's got some Wolf compressor again, just a little bit of Pro Q3 to get rid of some lows. I'm using Valhalla's chorus, which I'm a big fan of. And then we're using a little bit of mid-side to just kind of narrow the whole image because it has this kind of chorusy, like, fluttery kind of vibe to it. I like the fact that it sits in the middle and all the other instruments you hear kind of feel hard panned around it, kind of Beatles-esque. Here's Wurlitzer, also played by Benny, on top of the CP-70. How beautiful is that together? They just work so well together. They're panned um, 13 to the left, 26 to the right. Similar processing on the Wurlitzer. Only big difference is it has a phaser. Even tide instant phaser. I actually own the real thing, but I didn't at the time. So I'm using the plug-in Whole lot of drums working together on this one That's everything together Which is great because you don't hear a lot of flaming. It's hard to tell that there's multiple things going on but piece by piece There's our big kick and snare It's kind of a roomier thing much tighter, close mic'd kind of vibe.
0: And are all these drum parts samples, Kenny?
3: One is live recorded. I think the rest are samples. I'm pretty sure this is a recording that was been processed and processed and processed and processed a hundred times. This is, this is from my buddy Cole, the Count. He makes some of the best drum samples in the game right now. But yeah, the pairing of all this stuff seemed to bring it together. I'll add the Crash with it. and that with the pianos. Sounds like this. And it's pretty simple besides that. You know, there's a vocal, there's a little bit of acoustic guitar played by Alex Goldblatt that fades in throughout the whole verse. So at the start of the song, you don't hear it much, but as it goes on, it has a really nice little character. Alex is a machine. He played in My Tiny desk. He played on a few songs on this record. He also played the bass on here. Oh, oh this was a separate guitar track we did. Go with the acoustics. This was played on an old Hoffner Club 50, which is one of my favorite guitars. John Lennon actually was known for using one early on in the Beatles days. That sounds gorgeous. Those two together, the guitars fade in. This was also played on a Hofner bass.
4: Yeah, we wanted that to be like really Paul McCartney esque. Uh, uh, the
3: woody kind of picked sound. A couple little piano riffs from Benny. And then we did some mellotron strings in here. We wanted that fake kind of mellotron vibe. That was played by Tom Lev, who also played some horns on this record. Unbelievable producer and musician.
4: He also did that great piano fills, Tom. Oh, did Tom do these fills? Yeah, these piano fills. So amazing. A little room mic.
3: But yeah, that's a good majority of the record until the horns come in and then towards the end this is an arrangement by Tom that starts to come in. Just doing just doing a double of every note in the harmony so he did a, I think he did four notes and there's just two of each. and then later these are some of my favorite on the whole album. And then something you'll hear a lot on this record, just the entire album with Benny, are these little these little weird effects things, which I've been throwing on a lot of stuff in that time period whenever we made this album. I made this record with Benny around the same time I made Louie, which is my debut album. And I kind of think that these two records are kind of like brother-sister albums in a way because... Of the production mindset that I was in, who I was working in, you see so many of the same collaborators and things popping up on Young Hearts that you do on my record. But those little sounds come from one of my favorite things in the whole world, the stylophone.
0: Stylophone.
3: Yeah, I guess these used to be <laughs> much more popular, but... I've gotten really into them in the last couple of years. and like, there's so much stuff that you can do with them.
0: And it has a delay great. on it. So when when you're playing them into the <laughs> recording, are you, are you miking that up? Is that what you're having to do? No, or I'm going. There's
3: a play? headphone output. I go DI from the headphone output of that, just straight into a preamp, and then just boost right. it. And it, and it kind of like the gain staging isn't perfect, but that's part of the charm. Is it? It sounds a little bit like you're putting a lot of volume on something that's really quiet. <laughs> But in the scheme of the record, there's not that many long tails in any of this album, whether that be from delay or from reverb or from Benny's vocal doing a kind of long legato thing. The record is very tight and very focused, and I think that's a big part of Benny's sound. So when you do hear something like this on the record, these big weird whoosh sounds, or you hear like that guitar solo we pointed out, the vocal guitar solo in Young Hearts, they really, really stick out because there's only a couple times on the record where you get these things, you know what I mean? That feel outside of this tight groove. And so I think uh, the stylophone for me is just like a great way to add a little bit of quirk, a little bit of like atonal weirdness to something that's very down the middle and it never seems to detract from it too much. So even in this end, like horn section outro, it's just kind of this faint little thing. There are these piano stabs happening. There's a couple little riffs of of Benny that you'll hear where he's he's just kind of like mumbling through phrases and for you, just like little things. But it really does feel like a band playing out their concert. And we had formed a Steely Dan Asia amount of different bands around Benny over a couple month period, you know. And this band of me, Benny. Tom, Alex, one of my favorite bands that we yeah. formed, you know?
0: Fantastic. Maybe we should just have a reprise of the whole band playing together with Benny cool. singing on top.
3: Okay, cool. Let me just play this last bit of the song.
1: Did you like the car?
0: So Good hearing all those different elements that you've highlighted to us, Kenny the horns and the stylophone, yes. and also listening to the lyric again, thinking that it was created in that moment when you had to isolate from your family, Benny. And you know, distance makes the heart grow strong. You no, know, it's uh, it's almost as if you were speaking about that in the song as you wrote it.
4: Yeah, 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 it was totally autobiographical at that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: powerful stuff. Before we let you go. Two questions we ask everybody at the end of Tape Notes. One is a favorite piece of kit or an instrument that you can't live without in your creative world, your creative life. I mean, you mentioned the stylophone, Kenny, and that's your, or was at this point, your your favorite. What about you, Benny? I mean, when you're in that studio of yours in Amsterdam, what do you turn to first? Or, or what do you think will save the day when everything's going wrong?
4: I think the piano is my first love. It was hmm. uh, in my parents' house when I grew up and um yeah it's still here so uh yeah that's the one I'm saving.
0: And Kenny, is there anything else apart from the stylophone?
3: Go to right now. Honestly, I would say I've become a real mic nerd. The right mic for the right situation is just an unbelievable thing when you do it the right way at the right time. So I've been I've been known to carry around a a few microphones with me these days, but I will say there is a microphone called an M500. It's an old Bayer Dynamic microphone. And I can't go anywhere without it right now. I use it on everything percussion, vocals, guitar, amps, whatever. But right now it's that microphone. It'll be different when I talk to you next, John, in two weeks. Who knows? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. And the other question we ask is about advice, whether there's any advice that you've been given along the way that has kind of stood the test of time for you or anything, any lessons that you've learned along the way that you would forward on to other people.
3: I think me and Benny have a very similar, similar piece of advice we both look to. And that is be the dumbest person in the room every day. If you are around people who are better at what they do than you are, you know what I mean? That's a good thing to be around people all the time who can make you better and make you evolve. For me, Benny's one of those people. Being around Benny makes me better. For Benny, I wanted him to not be the most impressive person in the room for once when we made this record. So I tried to put Benny with people who impressed him and it feels good to learn. It feels good to get better. It feels good to say, oh, my music now is better than it used to be. So my piece of advice is just Try to get yourself around people who are better and smarter than you as much as you can, and
4: things will go well.
0: Yeah. Benny, any any extra on that?
4: Yeah, well, on top of that, it's for me, it's a very simple, like also just make a lot, you know, that's the rule. And don't be happy with the first thing you make. So make a few hundred songs per year, you know, and share them with the people around you to see if your id resonated or not and if it doesn't resonate you might love it but it's then yours but it's not what music is about i think it should resonate so make a lot of stuff and throw it out there and see what resonates and the best advice that anybody can get is buy young hearts (laughs) (laughs)
3: you you want to learn to be a better songwriter you know tape notes is going to get you 95% of the way, that other 5%, listen to Benny Sings, Young Hearts, out now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thanks so much, Kenny. Thanks so much, Benny. It's been brilliant to talk to you. And thanks for sharing your worlds with us. Um, Let's play one more song from Young Hearts, an outro selection, as it were. Something that we haven't heard so far. Any particular one that you'd like us to share with people? Only
3: one. Only one. Only one. Come on, Benny.
0: The only one, yeah. Only one. The only one. Our favourite. Excellent. Kenny and mine favourite. Excellent. So this is it. This is The Only One from Young Hearts by Benny Sings. Thank you for listening. And in particular, thanks to all of you who have signed up to support us on Patreon. Access to Patreon includes the full length videos of new episodes where possible, ad free episodes, and detailed gear lists, among many other things. For pictures, highlight clips, and behind the scenes content, head to our Instagram or YouTube channel. And on Discord, you can join the growing Take Notes community. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.
1: There's a man across the street, and he looks just like me.